Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights. I want to thank my sponsors, Top Spinini, Upper Deck, Heritage Auctions, Huggins and Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, ComC.com, and Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. So here's uh, an episode for your listening enjoyment. I don't understand breaking. I'm a degenerate pack ripper. To give my joy of opening a pack to someone else and pay them to do it just does not compute. Can somebody eat your ice cream? Though? Yeah, I'm gonna watch you eat ice cream. Yeah. Like, who does that? Only fans. Getting a tangible object. The joy to me is opening the pack myself. I open packs because I like to touch the cards and see them. I don't have art on my walls. My walls are empty. But my art lives in shoeboxes in a closet because cards are my art. And that's why I'm obsessed with Gene McLeod and Earl Arena. Arena because they are the artists. I love everything they've done. And I'm excited to see what else Jean does now that she's at Upper Deck working on non-sports. So this is difficult for me as a sports girl to try and shift over to non-sports and now I'm trying to learn characters and things and it's just, it's very confusing. But it's the art. I'm there for the cards because of the way that they look, the way that they feel, the imagery that you associate with something else and like brings to mind something. And I just love the 90s era for that reason. We lost it for a little while in cards, and we're starting to gain it back. You're a very creative person, and you have an eye. So why are your cards in a box? (laughs) Because there are products now that allow for the display of several cards that are frameable kinds of concepts. And you can change up your art. You don't like them, or they don't look pleasing to you, or. You're going to get me in trouble. I do not personally enjoy displaying my cards in that way. I think it's part of it is... Too personal? I want to care for them. I want them safely tucked away. I don't want direct light on it. Like My precious. Well, I mean, <laughs> call them. But you go to the Beidecke Library and there's no direct sunlight. It's a freaking marble square and all the books are in there that you would want to actually read. And you should display them because they're beautiful pieces of artwork. But you can't because time needs them to be preserved. Mm-hmm. Okay. My cards are older than yours and they're hanging out there for everybody to see. <laughs> they're behind UV, right? UV protected glass. Okay. Whether they're slabs or behind in, in display cases. If Chris gets you a display case for Christmas. Put <laughs> <laughs> it in the bathroom. When, when Chris gets you, when? When, not if. No. It, it makes me happy to see my cards. Yeah. Now, not, I have hundreds of thousands of cards, so they're not on the wall. It makes me happy to walk down to my office, in my basement, and see my cards, and I can change them. I might be on Christina's side here. When I go into my place, I think I'm looking at closed boxes of cards, and I think, those are my cards. They're in those boxes. Yeah. And they're super protected. I'm with you, Christina. That's yeah. interesting. Okay. And nobody gets to see them unless I want them to see them. Exactly. You come to my house and I get to decide if you're worthy enough to see these things. (laughs) Well, I'm not worthy if you polled everyone. Would anyone say, I don't enjoy opening packs? We all enjoy. Just no money involved. Do you enjoy opening packs and seeing what's in the pack? Yes. Then it becomes, how much am I willing to pay for that joy? Matters on the pack. 
Yeah. You need a massive demand increase here. That's what Fanatics wants to create. The question is, how do they do that? More eyeballs and a connection to the history of the hobby. Because if they only triple down on the gambling aspect of it, it's only going to go so far. It's going to pop and drop. If they incorporate all the elements that made this this hobby as special as it is for many decades, the collector piece, the bling of it, the nostalgia of it, the collectionism of it, all the elements of it to make that part of their marketing, then they have a chance. You have to be on the secondary market at all times. Yes, yes, yes. Not after the fact, but at all times. Otherwise, you don't create a long-standing customer. You create a one-time purchaser. In and out. Thanks, but no thanks. Hobbies always had turnover, right? Kids have always aged out of cards. Yeah, and they age back in. This is an enduring hobby that's a lot of fun. And yeah, you can make money, but it needs to be you can make money if you really understand the sport, you understand the cards, the distribution, the demand. You have to love sports before you can love cards or chicken and the egg, right? It's very helpful. So if Fanatics is working to build the sport up, right? I think you'll naturally have people interested in some ancillary things around the sport, including buying jerseys off their website. Oh, there's cards of these guys? What I'm sensing here is that they're collecting is not just by cards, it's by buy our collectible jerseys now. It's a different thing. I, I will say I want to get the second off the line jersey. Maybe they'll market that, or the first hundred made serial number to a hundred jerseys. They could do that, and that's that's a higher price point. Yeah, and they paid the same to create that jersey as they will the thousandth jersey. Exactly. And they can chop them up and put them in cards. With mass marketing, the classical marketing, sports cards, and and this hobby, it goes against the grain. And you're competing with your customers, but your inventory increases each year. Where are they growing their own collections, right? That's why I love going through people's cards. The guy who collects the college he went to, when he goes through my jersey mm-hmm. relics and picks 147 Baylor University cards, uh, that's good money. He, he loves yeah. it. And those guys are always going to be there. And Fanatics might create more of those collectors. Yes. But you have the volume to be able to package that. you got to have it. Yeah. To, to be a destination, so that's yeah, why Fanatics yeah. wants to work with you. How many customers come into your store, Joe, looking for one of ones of their favorite player? Is that a rare thing? Yeah, I would imagine it is. It's non-existent. Yeah. If they don't go to the card shop to get a one of one, no. They go to the card shop to, to buy a box to hope to pull one. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> well, well, yeah, right. Social media changed the perception. Right. Nothing has really changed. As someone who's been in this industry who's only 44 and been around for 30 years. Nothing's going to change. And that means not getting worse. Everything's going to be just fine. Not a good headline. The sky's not falling. Nothing that has gone on in the last 10 years has been anything like the 10 years before that. Yeah, we're all alarmists for no reason. If the industry is marketed as a get-rich-quick thing, that's a problem. Because then you give a little hiccup, and it's a problem. So I, they, they shouldn't market it that way. But you can't stop the press from wanting to report this is the highest sale of something. Christine and I collect Luca. All right. And during Luca's first year, he had 10 gold prisms, cards that we love. Then during his second year, 10 more came out, now he has 20. Then during his third year, 10 more came out, now 30. Then 40, then 50. Now we're about to be at 60. Then 70. Okay, now, as a percentage, 10 to 20 is much bigger than 20 to 30 and so on and so forth, but as an absolute measure, 
the supply is increasing at least as much year over year, if not more. If the demand isn't increasing in a commensurate fashion, it does two things of consequence. There's a larger pool of cards available to the same number of people, which is going to dilute the prices of everything before it and as it comes out and then some in the future. But when the prices of the previous items get diluted by the existence of new issues coming out year after year, it creates a perception that may be true, may not be, that his collector base is going down. And it might even be increasing, but not in direct enough proportion to offset the increase in supply. When you have that perception, it can actually magnify or hasten the price collapse. When the price collapses, not only is the value proposition of his previous cards negatively impacted, but the value proposition of the future issues is impacted as well. You just get a, a negative reinforcing That's a predictable concept. effect. You just laid out, it's predictable, it will happen, and the way to stop it is for Luca to get injured <laughs> or to stop playing no, and then he won't have more cards well, not, but that's not a good answer so we'll move on to the it will and that it dilutes it as well yeah there are rules that collectors can implement that allow them to discipline the manufacturer which i think are very important one of them is focusing on rookie cards like okay. like it or love it or hate it I'm a person who, for one of my PCs, Michael Jordan, I avoid the rookie cards. For other PCs, especially ultra modern, especially players, they are going to continue to have fully licensed issues for 5, 10, 15 years of their playing years. For those players, rookie cards start making a lot more sense. Within that, you can narrow it further and further. Disciplining the manufacturer through our collecting tastes is one way that we can protect the desirability <coughs> of the items that we have. Now, looking at big picture data is my final point here. We have a, a feature that allows you to see the total aggregate spend on the secondary market for singles, and it includes the major marketplaces, eBay, Golden, PWCC, etc. Total aggregate spend on a monthly basis. It has hovered around $175 million to $225 million consistently for the last two years. Sometimes they're high. So like August of 2022 was 242 million. October of 2023, which just concluded, was 169 million. So that's the range, but it fluctuates. But the one thing it hasn't done is increase. So over a two year period, as the total aggregate spend has been between 175 and 225 million for singles on the secondary market, we've had how many tens of thousands of new cards come out each year? So the spend is the same, the supply is flooded, the average item value is going down. Collectors are losing money in this environment. Your, your, your logic is good, but the thing is, that's why the importance of the rookie card to Victor is so important, because rookie cards are perceived to be less affected by that. They're more immune to the vagaries of the second and third year cards that, are, that spread out that demand, where a lot of demand is focused and always will be on the rookie card. That makes people have a false sense of security because admittedly, when, when Luke has been in the market for 10 years, even if he's got a couple of MVPs and a couple of championships, which we hope for, it's still he's gonna have an awful lot of expensive cards. Yep. So I've always thought about the market cap is not just the rookie market cap, it's the whole market cap of 
all cards for the player in all conditions of all years. I bet it's a billion dollars, and it's beyond his earning capacity for his career. And it's the GNP of a small nation. Something's wrong with that. My average spend is about the same, right? Um, I like when I can use that average spend to buy more cards. I'd rather buy more than less. That's what I think the consumer is going, look, I, I have a budget for cards, right? I can't go over that. <clears throat> That's what you see in the day. You tap in the same wallets. You've got wallet share. People are optimizing within the wallet. It's you about more getting wallets. more wallets. This is so clear. And the speed at which more stuff is being put out there to capture that same wallet share is the challenge. Well, the jealousy of baseball card collectors toward basketball a few years ago when basketball came up, they got more wallet share. But now basketball is perceived as being fully priced and not as much the golden boy anymore. So people are moving back to other things. What's the good deal now? Can you segregate by sport and yeah. see where that wallet share is shifting? I, I, I bet it's shifted. Yeah. I bet it's it shifted. can shift, right? And, and, and toward basketball and then away from basketball. Or even vintage versus, I, I doubt the average spend overall in the secondary market for vintage has changed much in five years. That's telling me we're not getting more people into this hobby. Because most people are on a we hobby were. budget. We were. We are and we were, and I think we still will. People expand their wallet in a bull market. Yeah. yeah. Except for a few people that think, hey, prices went down, I'm going to buy some cards now. But the average person, when prices go up, they think, hey, I'm doubling down. But you're actually going to make more money buying into a down market. It's, it's, it's an interesting conundrum, but you can do really well if, if you know what you're supposed yeah. to build on a downturn. Right? Yeah. I love so high. And it is nice having a dollar bill feel like it's worth something in the hobby. Because for a little while there, it felt like money didn't go very far, and now it feels like it goes a lot further, and there is something really nice about well, it. Well, when cards were so hot, it was better to have cards than money. Yes. Now yeah. it's better to have money than cards, yep. unless, you, unless you've got the really good cards. Yeah. That goes to the interest rate point, which is known, but bears repeating. If somebody has an amount of money, and they can put it into a CD that's going to guarantee them an annualized 6% return, it the demand for money increases, and a necessary consequence of the demand for money increasing is the value of assets decreasing in that environment. And as long as we have that high interest rate environment, especially cards in the high end, why is somebody going to say, I'll put a million dollars on a Mickey Mantle 52 Tops PSA 8 when I know that I can get a guaranteed 6% on that million dollars by throwing it into a CD? Because he can give that mantle to his child and not pay any estate sales. True. True. And save a lot more money than that CD. Yeah, and say, hey, a lot of money's that, coming. That card used to be worth Good $2 million. Yeah. <laughs> That mantle could go down 20%. <laughs> it could go down another. That's a good point. There's the tax. Back. They have to get a greater share of an existing wallet, tap into different categories within that wallet, like your so, entertainment so, budget, so. or more likely, get more wallets. And those wallets are the sports fans. That's what they're doing. I, I haven't seen the commercials that tap into the, the fiber of the community, of the hobby, that cares about all the great things that made it what it is. The value proposition of the hobby to me has always been so simple. My life pre-returning to the hobby was worse than my life after I returned to it. So wait, hold on. When we met, your life was worse? <laughs> Life is better with cards. Coincidentally, yeah. It's all yeah. 
We joke about the tax write-offs and the super high dollar stuff, but I'll be honest, that's the trickle-down that has led to disappointment for those who lost who aren't going to write yeah. stuff off, but I'm here right now buying. If you have everything. a big write-down and you turn it in on your taxes, you're going to get back audited. Some of these guys... Because you never really showed any gains, but then all of a sudden you show <laughs> 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 do, do you think Drake or Steve Aoki care about that? They don't. I don't think they care. And they're the ones buying that stuff. Post Malone buying the one ring card. They don't care about tax law. They get out of all that stuff. But that does trickle down to all of us who yeah. are seeking to find the end user, right? You guys, I understand where you're coming from. I grew up in this hobby, but it's more end-user based because speculation is or speculation is sexy, end-user stuff is not, there's more to be gained in the long term, but the trickle-down of all these losses, especially on this ultra-modern stuff, trickles down because people see it on social media, they see it everywhere, oh, there was the gains, now here's the losses. Positive, negative, and then it's left to us to figure it out. The increased visibility Fanatics is undoubtedly trying and will succeed in getting for our industry is going to be increased visibility with yeah. the IRS. Yeah. eBay <laughs> tightening up to send out uh, 1099s or whatever. There, there's going to be a lot more financial reporting required. And if you say you're a baseball card dealer or collector, they know these things. You get something from eBay, and that will bring people back to the show audits. market at the end of the day. And then yep. the, and the, the cash, 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 cash which will actually strengthen shows. That's oh, why fanatics is jumping in. Okay. That increases leverage for the collector. I think the good news is the next few years are the years of the collector. Man, man. I think, we got, I think we're in a good spot. I think it's always the year of the collector. You just have to know what you want to collect and set your own yeah, parameters. Yeah.